Welcome to the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. Welcome back into another edition of the CMB Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 90. It is Tuesday, August 28th. I'm joined by Zach Henson and Brian Franklin. Brian is back. The whole team of H&F is here with me tonight. Brian, first with you. How are you doing, man? Doing excellent. Glad to be back on. And I understand you and Zach are together, like physically in person tonight, doing this episode together. No remoteness. You guys are, are together? Yes, we're sitting beside each other, making is awkward this, looks at each other every time you say something stupid. Well, is this, is this just for the podcast, or are you guys doing a little like pre-draft strategy right now? We actually did a, uh, another real draft for uh, Zach's other league earlier. We teamed up on it. We're just getting some reps in pace. We're just getting Oh, that. Zach's other league. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, hey, I'm looking forward to this one. Big show tonight. Like I said, episode 90. Let's just jump right into it. Zach, you mentioned it with a story last week, but the best Titans player to wear number 90 has got to be the freak, Javon Curse. That's right. Yep, no doubt. 11 seasons in the NFL with 111 games, posted 74 sacks, 28 forced fumbles. He was that rare Titans player that played for the Titans, then went to another team and then came back. Um, but listen to this, this uh, stat line from his rookie season in 1999. 14 and a half sacks, eight forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery for a touchdown. I don't think I've seen a defensive player play like that as a rookie. Do you guys remember uh, the freak kind of early on in his career? Yeah, yeah, he had one pass rush move. He just was faster. Right. Then they figured it out, and he wasn't so good after that. But yeah, he was so, great for that year. Oh, absolutely. So Javon Curse. Excellent number 90. The other one here, too, just two names here, but Julius Peppers. I mean, the guy might be the best number 90 ever just in terms of, of how long he's played. I mean, the longevity. 250 games in 17 seasons. He's posted 154 and a half sacks and 52 forced fumbles. The guy was 37 years old last year and had 11 sacks. Um, so this year he's, he's rejoining Carolina after he played with them uh, from 02 to 09. Julius Peppers is a freak. Do you guys think he's a, a Hall of Fame candidate? Yes, I think so. No doubt. Uh, so those are your number 90s for the week. Zach, Brian, let's just move on. What were the best parts of you guys' week so far? Best part of waking up is soldiers in your cup. All right, I'll go first. Uh, best part of my week was this uh, past Saturday we went down. We braved um, Nashville and went – to a Need to Breathe concert, um, and Johnny Swim opened up for them. So it was a really good show. But, I mean, I would say that was the best part, but probably really the best part was escaping Nashville after the concert was over because oh, Taylor, yeah. Taylor Swift, we were at a Sin Amphitheater, and Taylor Swift was to our right at Nissan. And I told Sarah, I mean, you could just look over your shoulder, and they had all those watches that were – or those bracelets, whatever, that are blinking in sync, you know, throughout the concert. So you could see it from Ascend and it just looked like a bunch of little ants. And I told Sarah, I was like, we have to get out of here before that ant hill collapses. And so we got out. So that was it. Brian, I'm assuming the best part of your weekend was attending the Taylor Swift concert. Am I right? Staying as far away as possible was easily the best decision I've made in months. But, uh, the, the, the real best part all involves food. It typically does. Uh, Switched coffees at work, have a uh, fancy buttery toffee medium blend that's delicious. And, nice. Uh, but the better one is, is the ribeye I had on Friday, which was also the perfect medium rare. 
Was this a homemade ribeye or did you go to a restaurant? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Marinated my way, seasoned my way. Ooh. What's the grill method of the Brian Franklin ribeye? Oh, oh I do iron skillet. Okay. Like, like over dripping some butter on it. Over a stove or outside on a grill on, on, the, on the cast iron? Oh, over a stove. There you go. Hey, that sounds good. I, uh, we recorded our last episode, 89, on Wednesday. So starting Thursday evening, I had tacos four nights in a row, and I was not mad about it at all. Uh, so that was definitely the best part of my week as well. Yeah. But, Zach, uh, let's move on, and let's just jump right into it. Let's take a trip around the league. Let's take a trip around the league. As you guys know, I mean, pretty much all of the NFL news of the past, you know, five, six days have kind of all, you know, revolved around the receivers around the league. And the first bit here, can't not mention this because we've talked about him a few times here recently, but uh, Patriots receiver Eric Decker retires after eight seasons, uh, announced it on his Instagram. So what, be, what was your reaction to uh, Eric Decker retiring after just eight seasons? I was, you know, I was kind of surprised. I guess you heard that there's a chance that he wasn't going to make the roster. So um, not as much of a surprise once you start hearing those rumors, but um, just, I don't know. It was, it was kind of a shock for me, I guess. Brian, what do you, uh, when you look back on Eric Decker's lone season with the Titans, do you have fond memories or do you think about the drops? Well, all I do remember is the drops. And other than that, I don't even really remember him being on the field. So I don't have many good memories of I mean, uh, Eric Decker as a Titan. I mean, surprisingly, he played all 16 games last year for the Titans, had over 50 catches. I, I try to not remember the drops. It's just so hard to. But he did have the game-winning touchdown against the Chiefs in that playoff game in the wildcard round. So maybe we'll, we'll remember him for that, but I think it's going to be for the drops. Uh, and this, you know, he retires just three weeks after signing with the Patriots. And like Zach mentioned, you know, he was you know, not even a lock to make the roster. You know, he had been dropping the ball in preseason as well. So... Uh, I don't think Eric Decker had the career people thought he had as well. Uh, didn't, you know, was never elected to the Pro Bowl. Only posted like 53 touchdowns. I just, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think Eric Decker finished the way he might have wanted to. But, Zach, we've talked about it before. This is New England's wide receiver depth through weeks one through four with Edelman uh, suspended for PEDs. Chris Hogan, Cordell Patterson, Philip Dorsett, and Matthew Slater. Brian, are you saying no thanks to uh, the Patriots receivers here in, here in that one through four there? Oof. Uh, you want to say no thanks, but then you think you got Tom Brady throwing them the ball, and they throw the ball a lot. So I don't know which of those to pick other than Chris Hogan, but I don't exactly want to say no thanks, but I think uh, you're taking a risk on any of those guys. Zach, do you think Bill Belichick regrets trading Brandon Cooks away to the Rams now with, with everything that's happened with the receivers there? Uh, who knows? I mean, uh, probably not because he's already got a plan. So he's probably going to, for all I know, he'll probably take the kicker and turn him into a star wide receiver. <laughs> right. Uh, next bit of news here, another receiver. Des Bryant reportedly turned down the Browns $5 million a year offer. This is according to Mike Florio, NBC Sports. I The whole Des situation has been so strange because to me it's felt like a beggars can't be choosers kind of thing. I think he's trying to take, you know, a similar approach to what maybe Adrian Peterson might have done and that he's, he's waiting until kind of the, the season starts to, to join a team that just needs receiver help from, from injury or something like that. But 
Uh, I, I just I don't understand his approach here. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I don't know what he's doing. Uh, I mean, I don't know what he's waiting for. If it's more money or a better opportunity, it seems like he's had some some of the people he's been linked, some of the teams he's been linked to have, have given him a good opportunity. They just haven't given him the money he wanted. But I I don't I don't know what more he's expecting in the middle of the season or at the very start of the season. Zach and I talked to a couple of weeks ago, New England would be a perfect fit. I mean, they've brought in guys like Des before who've been kind of these big personality guys like, you know, Chad Ochocinco and Reggie Wayne, things like that. But I just, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't understand why New England's not taking a flyer on Des, especially now that, you know, they, like we just mentioned how thin their receiver depth is. So Zach, where do you think Des goes at this point now that, that Cleveland seems to be out of the picture? Patriots. You still think the Pats? I'm going to stick with it. All right, another receiver here, Doug Baldwin. He expects his knee injury to be a season-long issue, he told reporters earlier this week. He's, he's had a knee issue, I want to say, dating back to last season. Uh, Baldwin, he's, he is pretty much the lone bright spot for Russell Wilson and Seattle's offense. So I, just, I think without him, uh, you know, a full go for this year, or if he misses any time, Seattle's in trouble. Yeah, definitely. They got to get the running game going and, uh, you know, that's the, that's the main thing for sure. I always say this about Seattle, though, is that Russell Wilson can keep plays, li- keep plays alive long enough to where somebody can eventually get open. And I think a lot of what Doug Baldwin does and some of the reason he gets a lot of catches is because he's just really adept at, uh, at the scramble drill and mm-hmm. running to open spots when, once uh, Wilson gets out of the pocket. So, I mean, maybe he doesn't have that guy for a while or maybe he doesn't have that guy at 100%, and, and that may be some of the reason they suffer. But Russell Wilson is incredibly uh, good at just getting out of the pocket and waiting around long enough until somebody breaks open because if you, can, if you can just stay alive long enough, somebody will always get open. Yeah, and before he was injured, I mean, Andrew Luck was that exact same way. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, similar. Um, Roethlisberger's a lot like that, too. I mean, they don't have the speed or athleticism of Russell Wilson, but they are the type of guys that can just – you think they're going to go down, and so the, the defensive backs kind of let up a little bit, and then you see that they don't go down, and that's when a guy breaks open. Baldwin was the 12th best wide receiver in CMB last year with 75 catches, 991 yards, and eight touchdowns. This is a crazy stat, too, that I found out today. Doug Baldwin and Jimmy Graham last year had a combined 212 targets, which was 40% of Seattle's total targets. And, you know, we know Jimmy Graham is is now a Packer. So Baldwin, I mean, he's going to have, I think, the target share like he he usually does. So I'll I'll be interested to see what happens with with Doug Baldwin and and kind of – you know how he progresses this season they added jerron brown from the cardinals and a 34 year old brandon marshall so i i don't know we'll see what happens there uh and then the last bit of news here is alshon jeffrey receiver for the eagles said today that he's going to miss the first two games according to adam Schefter of espn i don't know really i i think we've talked about uh, zach ertz before i think that is the go-to target in uh, in Philly's offense, you know Doug Peterson loves tight ends, so I'm not putting a lot of stock in Alshon Jeffrey injury or no injury. How do you guys think this uh, probably hurts his his draft stock, knowing that he's going to miss two games? Uh, I think it probably knocks him back two rounds. Uh, I, I can't imagine it would be much more than that. 
he's not a guy I'm incredibly high on in the first place. I just don't think he's a going to be a huge volume target. I think Philly really likes to spread the ball around. Yeah, and we like I just mentioned, you know, they're a tight end heavy team on offense. You know, they had Trey Burton leave last year and sign a big deal with the Bears, and he was in their number two tight end. So I think, and Alshon Jeffrey wasn't even in the top twenty receivers in CMB last year, and he was Philly's number one wide receiver. So I'm not putting a lot of stock into him anyway, and I don't I don't think this changes my opinion much about Jeffrey, um, but. Zach, let's move on. We've got the last divisional preview. I cannot believe we the way this all timed out, we were able to hit all eight divisions in the NFL. I don't know when we started doing this. I know it was a couple of months ago, but Zach, we will have previewed every single division around the NFL after tonight. I know, crazy. So the AFC South here, we're talking Texans, Colts, Jags, Titans. Zach, uh, we do this every week, and, and Brian, I would love your input here, but let's rank the quarterbacks of these four teams where would you rank uh, those four teams and their quarterbacks, like I mentioned? And Brian, feel free to jump in. I guess I guess I'll go with Watson, and then Luck, and then Marcus, and then Blake. Brian, are you uh, in congruence there? Or do you have uh, maybe a difference of opinion? Uh, I honestly, it all depends on Luck's yeah. health, yep. really, because. If Luck is 100% healthy, I put him first, then Watson, then Mariota, then Bortles. If he's so-so, kind of like what I expect him to be, then I'd say Watson, Luck, Mariota, Bortles. If he's really can't get back to anywhere close to where he was, then I'd say Watson, Mariota, Luck, Bortles. So we're all in agreement, though, that Watson, you know, the top quarterback of the division, um, and, and really the guy played six and a half games last year and averaged 31.9 points in each of those six, I mean, it's just crazy. 19 touchdowns in six and a half games. You know, we talked with John McClain a couple of weeks ago. I obviously agree with him. I don't think he's, he's going to have an entire season like he did in those six and a half games, but it, it, it's hard to deny that Deshaun Watson right now, for fantasy purposes, best quarterback in the division. Yeah. I actually put Mariota second because I kind of lean with Brian's latter opinion about luck and that. I just – you know, from what we heard from Zach Kiefer from the Indy Star last week, he's optimistic about Andrew Luck. I just, I don't think he can be that 40-touchdown passer, at least not this year. I just, I just think he still has some recovery to do. He hasn't proven that he's, you know, 100% back. So I'll believe it when I see it with him. So I actually put him third behind Marcus. Uh, Brian, how, how high are you on Marcus this year, knowing how much, you know, change they've, they've made to their offensive scheme? Well, everything I've heard about it, it with this offense, it's not one that you just pick up as a quarterback overnight. So I think this is probably, I hate to say it, but it's probably going to be a slower start to the Titans for the Titans this season. But I think they'll really pick up steam uh, in the second half and hopefully make the playoffs. But I think Mariota will be a big reason why they pick up steam in the second half when he gets more comfortable in this offense. Fantasy-wise, I think that's, you know, you make a great point. And Mariota was the 19th best quarterback in CMB last year, but only because he threw 13 touchdowns. And he had 15 picks, but only 13 touchdowns. So I think changing offense, I think he's he's bound to throw, you know, maybe even double of what he threw last year in touchdowns. And I, I think this, this offense is a lot more friendly to uh, Mariota as a passer than maybe what we've seen under the Malarkey era. Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah, I mean, I think Mike Malarkey and Terry Rubisky were running an offense that was popular during the Depression. So, right, anything. And it's 
it's interesting that all three of us put Blake Bortles as the last quarterback. I mean, if, if we're keeping fantasy aside, if we're just looking at like overall play, it's yeah. I mean, obviously we're, we're going to put Bortles last there, but it feels odd to say but Blake Bortles has been the top fantasy quarterback in the AFC South for the past two seasons. I mean, is that, do you guys, are you find that hard to believe? Uh, yeah. Uh, two <laughs> I, years ago. Okay. I can answer that. Yeah. Yeah. Two years ago. I'm not surprised because the Jacksonville defense wasn't what it was last year. So he had to throw a lot. They were behind in a lot of games. He had to throw a lot last year. I think it's another fluke because Mariota was, again, running an offense from the 30s. Watson got hurt, and luck was never luck. Did he, did he even play last year? I don't even remember. No. Um, so it, it was kind of by default, uh, of, other than Mariota's poor play, but you could blame just the offense just as much there. So, uh, no, I'm not really surprised that he was the top fantasy quarterback, quarterback in the division the last two years. In the past month, we've talked with James Coe, you know, a fantasy expert, and we talked with Mike DiRocco, who covers the Jags for ESPN. They both talked about Blake Bortles' fantasy value and why he, you know, he consistently ranks near the top of quarterbacks. And it's just because, you know, the Jags are used to playing from behind. They're, they're, Blake Bortles is the king of garbage time fantasy points. And so the reason I have him last year, this year, is I just I don't think the Jags will be playing from behind as much as they're used to. And they're going to rely even heavily – even more heavily on uh, the run game and Leonard Fournette, if that's even possible. So that's kind of why I have Bortles ranked last is he's not going to see that kind of garbage time value that we've seen in the past. Uh, Let's look at the running backs. Zach, Brian, where do you rank the four teams and running backs? And Brian, kind of the way we do this with the running backs and with the wide receivers, not necessarily just the starter, but just the situation as a whole. So which rank them by teams – you know, who has the best fantasy value, in your opinion, uh, of, of all these running backs? Where would you go? I'm going to go Jaguars, Titans, Texans, Colts. Brian? I'm going to go Titans, Jaguars, Texans, Colts. I uh, Four for four, same as Zach. I think we just – we had the uh, Jags and the Titans flipped. What makes you put uh, Henry and Lewis there at number one, Brian? Well, you mentioned that it was more about the whole backfield instead of just one guy. So I think right. mind, yeah. they're going to outpace uh, Fournette and probably and whoever is the second leading running back. Yeah, and I have sort of a hot take with the Titans. I mean, I, I genuinely think that Deion Lewis is going to finish with more fantasy points than Derrick Henry this year. Um, Lewis was actually finished with more fantasy points last year than Leonard Fournette in our league whereas Henry was ranked 37th, and I know that's because he was behind DeMarco Murray, but I don't know. I just I expect Lewis to take away a lot of carries and targets from Derrick Henry more than, than we're even thinking uh, heading into the year. You, is that kind of what, what you're thinking, Brian? Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I think they're really going to work to get Deion Lewis open in space, and so um, he, he's going to put up. Uh, a lot of points and going to catch a lot of passes and, and do that kind of thing. Uh, it, what's interesting about the Titans and with both Henry and Lewis, Lewis is the little guy you think is going to be outside more and Henry's the big guy you think will be running between the tackles more. I think you're going to see the opposite. I think they're right. going to try to get Derrick Henry out on the perimeter so he can use that stiff arm. And, and Deion Lewis is so skilled in between the tackles. Just you can't see him. And he's a little darting running back. He's tough in between the tackles. 
We mentioned Leonard Fournette. You know, Deion Lewis was the 10th best running back in CMB last year. Fournette was the 11th best, and he missed three games, so that that definitely affected his ranking. But, you know, Leonard Fournette, he's not the pass-catching back that you'd like in a PPR league, but what he does have on his side is volume. And, you know, Mike DiRocco told us now that, uh, you know, Chris Ivory is out of the backfield in Jacksonville, there really is no one vulturing or taking away targets or goal line carries from Fournette. So he had 268 carries last year, and I would expect that number to be well north of 300 this year. Um, Zach, do you think Fournette is a first or a second round pick in your opinion? I guess he'll probably be first, you know, uh, with all the running backs. So, yeah, first. We ranked the Texans' backfield as a third overall. And, you know, according to John McLean, when he came on a couple weeks back, he said there's really no guarantee that the number two running back, uh, Deontay Foreman, is going to be much of a factor at all this year because he's, he's still recovering from that ruptured Achilles last season. So, to me, that's a good thing for, for Lamar Miller. He's going to continue to get all of the carries, and he's gonna, probably going to rank somewhere near the top 20 uh, running backs. Brian, are you particularly high on Lamar Miller? Uh, you know, as a pass catching back and as somebody who's going to get a lot of volume? No, not really. I think his time has passed. I don't even know that he will get that much volume. I just don't think he's an effective running back anymore. It's amazing to me how quickly running backs can just kind of lose that burst that they had when they first come into the league. I mean, he's only been in the league for like six or seven years now. He's 28, maybe 29, and he's already, I think he's pretty much toast. Last year, we have the Colts. We all agree here. I mean, it's just, you know, even when Frank Gore was a member of the Colts running backs, I probably still would have put them last. I just, I don't know, like the rest of the Colts offense, who knows what the running back position is going to look like. I am staying completely away from anyone on that Colts offense, not named Hilton, Doyle, or maybe Ebron. What are your thoughts on the Colts, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with that. There's just so much riding on Andrew Luck, you know, so you just kind of got to see it first. When we talked with Zach Kiefer, who covers the Colts, you know, last week, and he kind of told us the same thing, is that there's no guarantee Marlon Mack's going to be kind of a, a bell cow guy, and he's, he's had fumbling issues. So I'm not exactly optimistic about taking him. He's going to go in the top probably 10 to 12 rounds in our league just because he is a starting running back, and he, you know, any starting running back of a member of the 32 teams needs to get picked, you know, not early, but needs to be picked, obviously, in the top half of a draft. I just – nothing encourages me about Marlon Mack. Brian, yeah. what, are your, what are your thoughts on the, the Colts running back situation? Oh, it's a mess. I don't know who is going to end up with what. Uh, it's one that I would definitely steer clear of. I'm not going to call it my no thanks, but it's right there. Moving on to receivers, the way we do this is, is obviously – you know, we, we look at the wide receivers, but also including incorporating the tight ends and the pass catching running backs, anything that would add uh, receiving value for fantasy purposes. So I'll, I'll let Brian start with this one. Brian, where would you rank these four teams in the South based on pass catching and receiving? I'm going to go Texans first in a clear runaway winner. And then I might surprise people and say the Colts second. Not because I think that they're particularly good. I just think the Colts are terrible, and I think they're going to be playing from behind a lot. So I think that their wide receivers, a guy like T.Y. Hilton, might put up a lot of garbage time uh, points. Uh, Then I'm going to say Titans, and then in a distant last, Jacksonville. 
yeah, definitely distant last for the Jags. Zach, what about you? What's your top four? Mm, I'm going to go with exactly what Brian said. Yeah, Brian, you said you had a shocking pick with the Colts. That did shock me because I had them third. And I actually, I know it might sound like a homer pick here, but I'll explain it. I had the Titans first, and that is only because we're including tight ends, we're including pass-catching running backs. Delaney, Walker, and Deion Lewis give Tennessee the edge just slightly over Houston. Um, I know Corey Davis is high upside. There's no guarantee with him, but um, – I obviously I I know and I agree. You know DeAndre Hopkins is a top five receiver in the NFL, and when Will Fuller the third is clicking with Deshaun Watson, there's really not a hotter quarterback receiver combo in the league. Last year they they showed through six and a half games, but um, man, I I don't know. I just think Tennessee has a more diverse uh, you know array of weapons on offense, that tight end, pass catching, running back. So I I, I put Tennessee there first. Do you think I'm crazy, Brian? No, you made some really good points and may even make me reconsider my uh, rankings. So a lot of good points there. Yeah, and not only that, I just Texans, they don't have a tight end right now. I, I can't even name who the Texans tight end. Maybe David Anderson might be the starter uh, heading into the season. But I, I, don't, I, I just don't think, uh, you know, if, if Hopkins goes down, obviously, they're, they're in trouble. Uh, but why? I'm, I'm curious why you had the Colts at number two. Uh, Jack Doyle is a part of it, and I think if Luck comes back and is what I expect him to be, which, like I said earlier, was probably like mid-level, not what he used to be, but not actually like the wheels fall off kind of, uh, then Jack Doyle is one of his big partners. And like I said, I, th- I, think, this is, I think the Colts are going to be one of the worst teams in football, which means for fantasy purposes, their offense is going to be playing from behind a lot. So I just think there's going to be a lot of opportunity. We talked with Zach Kiefer, who covers the Colts, and he was, he was kind of saying for training camp, from what he's seen, Eric Ebron is basically, basically a tight end, who, or essentially a receiver, I should say, who's playing tight end. So, uh, obviously, T.Y. Hilton, you know, best receiver the Colts have had since Reggie Wayne, and, and without him, they probably could be the last team in the league in terms of, of receiver play. So, uh, if Eric Ebron can get going, you could, you could have a late-round steal at tight end with a guy who could put up receiver numbers. Um, and then the Jags guys, I, we all agree. I mean, I, before Marquise Lee was lost for the season with that knee injury, we, we found out over the weekend, I already had the Jags as the last team in the league uh, when it came to receiver play. Um, do you guys think they've done anything to help themselves out or what, what makes them so bad in your opinion? Well, the injury didn't help. Right. I mean, so we'll see what uh, these guys got. I think it's a combination of everything. Uh, the injury, they didn't have a ton of talent at wide receiver in the first place. Austin Safarian Jenkins is nothing to get excited about. They don't really throw it to the running backs a lot. You've got Blake Bortles, Blake freaking Bortles, throwing <laughs> the ball. What, what? They're going to be playing with a lead a lot. It's just, it's a perfect storm of. Yeah. What if Des Bryant goes there? Oh man, and I've already seen that rumor on Twitter. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that'd be I mean, that would be great for the Jags. I don't, like like I think what Brian was saying, playing with the lead a lot, they're going to just ice the game by running the ball and, and playing great defense. So, they've they've done a lot I think to help themselves when it comes to making sure you know the decision of a game and and the game is no longer in Blake Bortles' hands. 
I think they've done a lot to help themselves there by building a sound defense and running game. I just, you know, maybe they don't need receivers to win this division. Who knows? But, I mean, unless you guys have any parting things, that's that concludes our final uh, preview of the last division here, the AFC South. Zach, one last time before – this will be our last episode before uh, teams are slotted in our league and we've, we've had our draft. Let's do one more no thanks for 2018. Zach, Brian, I'll let you guys go first. Uh, Brian, who is your no thanks player for 2018? I don't have one player. I have a whole team. And that is the entire offense of the Baltimore Ravens. I don't believe in anybody at any position on that whole offense. Unless somehow they just have a terrible, which they might have a terrible year, and decide, you know what, we don't even care about Flacco anymore. Let's play Lamar Jackson, and then he just goes nuts. And that's the only possibility that there would be anybody with Baltimore open one. Will Lamar Jackson be drafted in CMB on Friday night? Yes. Yeah, who, honestly, who, who knows? And, and yeah. I, mean, I have no idea. It's just such a long draft, a, a deep draft. So I bet he goes. All right, Zach, who are you saying no thanks to? Um, I'm going to say no thanks to Alshon Jeffrey that we touched on earlier. So no interest. All right, my no thanks player is, uh, you know, I'm basically saying no thanks to all lines running backs not named Carrion Johnson. So they have what looks like a pretty decent running back core, but I don't think it means anything. I think it's kind of like the Patriots backfield. And I, I think Carrion Johnson is going to have like a Kareem Hunt kind of rookie season. You know, he's taken in the top of the second round out of Auburn this year. And I think he's going to be their workhorse back. I don't think LeGarrette Blunt is guaranteed to be kind of the goal line third down back, you know, Detroit no longer needs theoretic to be that pass catching receiver and Amir Abdullah, who's Matt Suggs guy. He he's already said he knows there's a chance he doesn't make the 53. So no thanks to lines running backs, not named carry on Johnson. There it is. All right. That's our last. No, thanks. It feels kind of bittersweet. Uh, something fun to do during the off season, but this time next week, we have our next episode. We will be talking about actual rosters from actual teams within our league. Everybody would be trashing Ross for all of his terrible picks. Exactly. Uh, let's move on to some some CMB league news. Um, Zach, I understand we're gonna we're gonna post this tomorrow on Wednesday. It's Tuesday now, so we're three days away from our draft. How excited are you guys getting? I know you guys play a huge role in in the draft every year. Yeah. So we just got some work to do at this point. You know, I've got the folders. I've got to put them together. Um, you know, print off the stickers and all that stuff. And we, uh, Brian and I and Sarah and Winnie, we will head to the grocery store within the next, maybe tomorrow or I'm not sure when, but we need to get there soon. And uh, so Sarah can start making some stuff. And uh, yeah, so we got some work to do. Crunch Brian, time. Brian, is that something you look forward to every year? I mean, like the annual shopping trip with, with Zach and with Sarah and, and going to – Walmart, Kroger, wherever you guys go. Is that something that's just like a tradition at this point? I would say yes. It's a little bit embarrassing when I have to pick up a whole stack of Slim Jims and somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rich no any- too. Yeah. Rich, Rich doesn't even eat them. I, I've never understood that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So like logistically, how does this work? Like you guys go, like will you guys go tomorrow night? Well, honestly, we haven't talked about it. So, like, what 
Brian, can you go tomorrow night or? Yes, I, I guess that'll uh, work. Okay, but I, so. I don't, I don't want to let everybody know what, you know, yeah. where we're going to be. I don't, I don't like doing that. Right. Over, yeah. That's kind of weird. Over the interwebs. So we'll probably go like early Friday morning. We're talking like all good Walmart. You're going to run into my uh, dad. We, can, we cannot reveal that. Um, but there would be a good chance we could see your dad somewhere that we go. I need a video of that. We can post it to the Facebook group. And if, we, if we saw your dad, I would take a picture with him. If it was, if it was the draft uh, food night. So, yeah. All right. So that's, that's something we've definitely talked about a lot. I feel like when we talk about the draft, the draft food is like the biggest topic. Um, but one thing I want to talk about for sure are some annoying draft night moves. And so I'll give just like a quick example of what I'm talking about. Um, Let's just say like, okay, so verbally complaining like once a player you're targeting is taken off the board. So someone calls out Kareem Hunt and then you hear Rich or somebody, not Rich, that's, I shouldn't use his name, but just somebody groans or like, oh, that was my guy. Like that's an example of what I'm talking about. Um, So another podcast that I listen to, they do these Mount Rushmores. So we won't copycat them, but let's just go like one by one. I'll start, Brian goes next, then Zach let's just go with our like uh our draft of annoying draft night moves can you guys go along with that sounds good all right number one here that comes to mind for me and i think chase hinted at this last week but hogging all of one food or one drink item so if you're just like super into root beer that's great but if you grab like five or if you're really into the rotel but you just like load up an entire plate that's not cool uh, so my, my first one would be hogging, you know, like a single food or drink item, okay. Brian. Mine is going to be taking up your entire allotted time. Every time you pick. Yep. Be prepared. Is this, I've got a question. Is this just like a one time, like we're just doing one each and we're moving on or no, we, let's do, let's, let's do a snake. So you do two. No, I want I want to be last. I want to be last. So let's just go around the circle one more time. Okay, so I just went and Brian. Are you wanting to go next or you no, want I'm me to go next? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give one and then I got one more. So, okay, good. Um, I think it's really annoying when, you know, you've been there for a while at the draft and then it gets to the point where people are like, okay, uh, let me see the uh, uh, all the wide receivers that are left. And then you got to stop the draft. Oh, yeah. List of wide receivers. You know, that's just takes even longer. All right, your turn. You don't want to do a snake. You want me to go again? Right. Okay. Uh, I will say this too, and I am actually guilty of doing this. I, I have someone in mind that I'm thinking of who does this to me every single year, and actually a team that does this to me every single year, but congratulating someone else's pick multiple times. It feels like, I don't know, it's kind of like an undercutting thing. It's like a backhanded compliment. Like, you know, you make a pick, and this certain team will look back at me, and they'll say, oh, great pick, Pace. Like, you know, almost like um, patronizing me, yeah, for my pick. So I'm not a fan of that. Brian? I would say, and this happened once last year, and I won't mention anybody by name, but when somebody can come up to the front of your table and say something to you, talk to you, and have conversation with you, but instead they choose to come to the back of your table and so that they can sneak a peek at your computer screen and see. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Zach, you're up. Okay. This one, this one may sting a little bit, Pace, but um, okay. this may be a little bit of an annoying. This is going to affect you on draft night. 
and it may be a little annoying and we have a special announcement. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to have to ask you to introduce this, uh, this special announcement that we have. Zach, Brian, we have a, I don't know if I should say a special guest, but we have a guest that has not joined this podcast oh, in some time. Already. Not even been call, a, you're not even calling him special. He's just a guest. Well, we've I, had a I, lot of special guests. It's been a while since he's joined the podcast, but we're bringing him back on for a special announcement, Zach. This is what I'm hearing uh, from you a couple days ago. Is this right? This is true. This is true. Special, special announcement right here on the CMB Fantasy Football Podcast. We're now joined by Matt Suggs. Uh, Matt, I don't even know what your team name was. I can't remember right now because it's changed a few times. Oh, man. He's blocked. But I, you, don't, you don't remember? You don't remember the shoes last year? Brian remembers the shoes, right? right? You are right, big, dead to pace. Oh, you are dead. Big baller brand. Matt, I know it was your team last year, and I hear you have a special announcement. Can you go ahead and lay it out on the CMB Fantasy Football League podcast? Well, first of all, I want to know, am I, am I the call of the week this week? We've already had a call of the week, but uh, Zach, go ahead and play the bumper. It's time for the call of the week. That's, that feels good. That's the first that? time I've ever been called the week. And I'm really not called the week, but it's the first time I've ever been called the week in the history of the podcast. All right, let's get on with it. Matt, what is your special announcement? I'd All love right. to hear it. Well, um, as everybody knows, my fantasy football teams have not uh, fared well the last several years. So in the effort to, uh, to spice things up this year, to, to change it up, I have decided to take on a co-manager. I have a co-manager this year. This is the breaking news bumper. This is all I got. This is great. That was good. I like that. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop it now. All right. My, uh, my co-manager this year is also the new preacher at College Side, John Nichols. He's my co-manager. John Nichols teaming up with Matt Suggs. Matt, first question – how did you come to this decision? Does John know that he is going to be the co-manager? Yes, John knows he's going to be the co-manager. John has uh, accepted. John didn't even hesitate. He was ready. I think when, uh, when he saw Courtney Norton, um, the picture of Courtney Norton looking at Ross Garrison, he realized he needed to be a part of this league. This is good. Well, do you, okay, so I have, I have a lot of questions here. Do you think this would have happened had John not uh, taken his new role at College Side, where the draft's held? You guys are co-workers again? Right. Uh, absolutely not. It would not have happened. No. Okay. So this is good then. This is, this is a good thing. Is yeah. he going to show up for the draft on Friday? Is this yes. confirmed? Yes, it is confirmed. John will be at the draft on Friday. John may show up to the draft just to eat the food, but he will be – over there probably looking at shark facts with uh, James and Blake. <laughs> well, that's better than shooting basketball with Brian, I'll tell you that. Oh, shots oh. fired. Oh. Shots fired at h and All right, you know, so I, – I had dinner with Brian's dad Sunday at church, and um, John and I did, and we showed him our team logo, and we told him that we are joining forces to take on the mighty Zach Henson and Brian Franklin. And Lloyd Franklin, Dr. Lloyd Franklin, looked me in the face and said, you don't stand a chance. That's right. 100%. So, wow, that's, that sounds definitely, definitely sounds like Lloyd. Yeah, he, he knows. He knows. Uh, he knows how serious this is. But, uh, but John is in. We met today. We discussed draft strategy a little bit. Um, it's kind of nice to, you know, just walk from one office to the other and, and talk it over. And uh, 
I just needed another mind, man. These, this draft is tough. I had a draft this past Sunday with 10 teams, and it was so easy and comfortable. And, man, this, this camel ball draft makes me nervous. So, Was John – you said you talked strategy with John. Was it like, hey, three words, I don't care? Or was there a little depth to it? I mean, what was, what was John's role in the strategy? No, no, we, we talked it over a little bit. We've got, uh, we've got some, we've, we've got some, it's going to be, it's going to be a different draft from. Okay. Um, it's going to be good. I'm excited. Hold on. Let, let me take over this, this interview. Um, this is, this is big. Cause Zach, you never interview people. Yeah. This is, this is just kind of, you know, we're just not getting to the good stuff. Pace. Um, how hurt are you right now? <laughs> moment that Suggs after all these years, has basically blindsided you and gone with the new kid on the block at church, you know, the, the nice shiny toy that just arrived. <laughs> and now you've been kicked to the curb, basically. How do you feel in this moment? Yeah, I, I feel like I would be a lot more shocked and disappointed if the new kid on the block cared to be a member of, of no. this league or of the team. Oh, man. But I just don't I, – I, I, I get the sense that John, uh, this is an excuse. This is a way for John and Matt to like, you know, eat lunches together during oh, the work day and, you know, pretend like they're talking fantasy football, but really, you know, they're just rekindling that old flame. Wow. Am I wrong? Wow. Well, I mean, I, I haven't had an enjoyable lunch during the work day since you moved away, Jordan. So I needed a new friend. Wow. To, this to go to lunch with. Fun. I mean, you know, I, I, there was, there was a moment where, um, it was going to be collusion, team collusion. Whoa. Um, there Whoa. was another – no, 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 no. In my mind, there was a moment. Then I got so desperate for a moment, I thought about teaming with Risher and beginning team Matt Ryan. Um, Did you wow. ever – That hurts, actually. <laughs> sucks. No, no, I didn't. I never thought about teaming with Rish. But he did look at me the other day and say – he said, we could have been team Matt Ryan. We could have been so. Okay, listen, listen. Which would have been much less offensive to Jake if I would have been Team Matt Ryan than all the other um, Donald Trump team names that Richard. Was <laughs> so. Okay, Suggs, did you ever extend the olive branch to Pace to join up? Yes or no? I think we yeah. had a discussion. Ooh, no, we, we definitely, we oh. definitely did. Yeah, we, we had a discussion. discussion. I remember where it was. I remember everything about the oh, conversation. Oh, wow, big moment in your life. Yeah. yeah. Okay. In whose life? Yours, clearly, if you remember where you were. No, I, I just remember I just remember the conversation. There was no drama to it. You know, we, I think we were in teen side by the snack machines, right. uh, the former draft, you know, location for CMB. <laughs> and Matt approached me kind of casually and just said, hey, I know Zach likes to make jokes about us, you know, colluding and maybe one day forming a team, but would you seriously consider it? And what did you say? Tell him what you said, Jordan. Not in a mean, not in a mean way. I said nothing personal. I That's just, right. I, I want to win this league by myself as a, you know, a single owner before I consider, you know, moving on. So nothing personal against Matt. Everything's right. personal against Zach. That's right. So thank you, Zach. Yes. <laughs> That's right. I got no thanks. I got no thanks by Jordan. But that's okay. It's okay. Um, you know, the Lord opens doors. Brought John to College Side. Our team name is, uh, you know, everything at College Side's got to have a side to it. We've got Kids Side. We've got Teen Side. Um, our team name is going to be Strong Side. So, and the logo, I've got the logo ready. I'm excited about it. It's going to be good. So, Hey, with John joining your, 
with John joining your team, I've got a new team name, Side Chick. <laughs> that that is what John is to this this team. It sounds like. That's uh. No, I'm happy for you guys. That's good, man. Man, this is this is quickly becoming a rivalry, and it's going to be good. I'm excited. <laughs> all right, Matt. Any uh, let's let's offer the table for no thanks. We've given it to everyone that's that's jumped on the podcast. Is there a player? I know you're not a Trill Prior senior guy, but is there another player in the NFL that you're saying no thanks to? Um, yeah, probably Andrew Luck. I think I'm going to no thanks Andrew Luck. I don't feel good about it. I don't. I don't feel good about. Um, he he had a good showing the other night, but I don't know. I just I, I got a feeling, and uh, I, I don't. Th- I have the third pick in the draft, and I think I'm going to no thanks Antonio Bryant. So that's my two right now. I'm going for running back boys. There's there's number one of the top three right there. Zach Bryan, any last questions for Matt before we let him go? I just noticed, didn't you just say, I'm going for a running back instead of we're going for a running back? Oh, man. Pronouns. Oh, dear. I have have nothing. Okay. I have have nothing. Um, Hey, one last thing I just realized. uh, I no longer have somebody to sit at the table with at the draft. So you're sitting with John now, I'm assuming. I mean, we can pull a third chair up if you want. Wow. Wow. Yeah, this actually hurts a little bit now. I didn't hurt at the beginning, but now that I've realized the logistics of where everyone's sitting and I'm going to be probably by myself, this it hurts. Can we push can we push two tables together? It it just wouldn't be the same. Oh man. You guys are probably both doing like dual monitors and taking up the whole table, so yeah, <laughs> it's not going to work. Jordan, anyway, best, I, I'm best sorry, of luck this I'm year. sorry, Jordan, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Really you really are milking this burned lover thing. I'm sorry. It's working. All right. Hey, Matt, we'll see you Friday. Best of luck this year. Let's hope it lasts the whole season and not a Taylor Cup or Reed Garrison situation. <laughs> Best of luck to hey, you. Hey, the draft's going to be great. I'm excited to have everybody at college side. It's going to be good. I'm going to roll the basketball goals up so nobody can shoot, and uh, we'll, have, we'll have everything ready. It's going to be awesome. They don't want to shoot. They don't want to shoot. All right. Well, it didn't help you win last it's year. It's intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. Thanks for coming on. Best of luck. Thanks, guys. Wow. Uh, Zach, Brian, I don't. I really have no comment of what we just heard from Matt. But, um, yeah, teaming up with John Nichols. Can't say I saw that coming. What are your initial thoughts and reactions there? Uh, I'm just going to be on the record for saying that John does not care about fantasy football. Um, I just can't even imagine it, honestly. So, I don't know what the point of this is. I don't know if this is like advertisement for college side. I'm not sure. Um, but John does not care. Zach, I texted you this a couple days ago. Matt is trying to destroy the league. <laughs> <laughs> one by one, he's trying to destroy the league. Yeah, okay. I think he's trying to take over as commissioner. Oh. Maybe maybe bounce you guys out, but I just – I don't know. I, I The writing's on the wall. <laughs> And I did not expect that call to go the direction it went, but man, that yeah. it took wow. a, it. Was, it was kind of like an anchor man, like you know, that escalated quickly, kind of thing. Very much so, yeah. That was. Uh, but that wasn't even our special call of the week. We actually have a call of the week this week. This is with someone that I hope uh, this call isn't as heated or contentious as our call with Matt just now. But knowing the history there between Kemp's crew and with H and F, this next call 
it could be heated. It's time for the call of the week. We're now joined by an annual guest on the CMB Fantasy Football League podcast, one of our own giving his annual mock draft of the CMB draft coming up this Friday. Jake Standifer of Kemp's crew is joining us right now, giving us, again, his annual draft, uh, kind of picking where players or managers within CMB are going to draft. Jake, how are you doing? I'm pretty good, man. I've been putting together a garbage disposal for the last three hours, so uh, looking to take a break. An actual garbage an actual garbage disposal or like your uh, your draft board for this year? Oh. Oh, snap. You're a loser. How hard was it this year to, to throw together your annual mock draft? And can you kind of give us the uh, the highlights before we go 1 through 14? I don't think it was really that difficult. Uh, you know, I've been doing mock drafts for about two, three weeks now. Uh, I just had two drafts last Sunday. Uh, not really too difficult, but I think that there will be a few uh, picks uh, just based on uh, what I know about the managers and who they like. And uh, I think that'll show up here in my mock draft. And Jake, are you, which, uh, which mock draft site have you been using? I know Chase Gaw posted, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, um, but you know, a Sleeper. new resource in our Facebook group. Sleeper. Yeah, have you been using that yeah, as well? Yeah. Yeah, it's called Sleeper App. Uh, I've been a long-time user of the Fantasy Pros uh, mock draft simulator, but that Sleeper App that Chase had, uh, I guess, recommended, I've been using it uh, pretty much exclusively, and it's been incredible. All right, well, hey, let's uh, let's just go through it. One through 14 here. First overall pick is Greg Lucius. Who is Greg co-taking with the first overall pick? Uh, if I had the number one pick, uh, I would definitely pick Bell. Uh, you know, Greg typically goes running back, so Bell's going to be there. It's really between him and Gurley. Bell's going to get 400 touches. You know exactly what you're getting. Uh, Lady on Bell. What do you think of – I don't know if you've listened to recent episodes of the podcast, but Zach is just convinced that the Steelers are cursed this year and that a lot of their key players like Bell and Brown and Roethlisberger are going to go down with an injury. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, well, he also thought that uh, Tyrone Calico was going to be a superstar, so there's that. Hey, good point. All right, number two, Ryan Risher. Uh, with the second pick, uh, I think Gurley's going to go to Ryan. Uh, like I said, like the first three picks are probably kind of boring chalk, but I think Ryan's going to go with Todd Gurley. Is there, is there any chance he takes maybe a receiver, like a top receiver, or does something crazy? I mean, it is Risher we're talking about. Absolutely no chance at number two. All right, Matt Suggs with the third overall pick. All right, I got Matt taking uh, Zeke Elliott. Uh, Zeke's projected to get, you know, upwards to 400 touches this year. Uh, Their offensive line is extremely good. Uh, Dak Prescott doesn't really have a lot receiving core, so they're going to rely heavily on him. So I'd say Zeke. No chance that, you know, we, we know Matt loves, you know, Crimson Tide players in the NFL. Any chance he goes with Julio Jones there? Zero chance at number three. Like I said, and you know, just, uh, just looking at drafts, this is going to be a very uh, running back heavy first round. As opposed to last year where a lot of receivers went in our league, last year seven wide receivers, seven running backs. This year it's not going to be like that. I think three, maybe four receivers overall, but mostly running backs. 
Jay Myrick came on our podcast a couple of weeks ago and he called his shot actually before the pre-draft meeting saying that, you know, they had their pick of, of any uh, draft position. They went with number four. So are they as confident in their fourth pick? Who do you think they take there? You know, this is where it gets really interesting because if I remember uh, Jay's explanation was they wanted four because the first four picks, they could go with any of the four. But if you look at their history, uh, they kind of alternate between wide receiver and running back. So they, they don't really go one way or the other usually. However, last year they did specifically go kind of like a, a hybrid zero running back. They had three wide receivers, and then Travis Kelsey, and then Mark Ingram as the fifth pick. So they won the league last year. The strategy clearly worked. Uh you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I think that they actually take Antonio Brown. Another combo team here of co-managers, Matt Collins and uh, the newly formed West Coast Wombats with Courtney. Who does is this new super team? Who do they draft at number five? I think they're going to kind of look to make a splash here. Uh, with Courtney coming into the league, I think they kind of want to make a name for themselves with the WCW, Alvin Kamara. All right, number six, the Gaw brothers, Jeff and Rob. Who do they take there? Which Cleveland Brown do they take at number six? It won't be a Cleveland Brown, but I think it will be somebody that they like. Uh, they had the 12th pick last year. They took McCaffrey. Uh, even McCaffrey's role last year wasn't clearly defined. Nobody really knew what he was going to do. They still took him in the first round. Uh, clearly, McCaffrey is not going to go in the second round. Uh, the, the word's out on him. Uh, he could very well go in the first round, if not just the very beginning of the second. He's not going to be there when they come around, so I think they're going to take Christian McCaffrey. I have no clue who Kevin White would pick at number seven, but I'm sure you have an idea based on historicals. So who does Kevin take there at seven? Well, uh, for the longest time, uh, Kevin actually took quarterback super early for some reason. Don't know why, but I think he learned his lesson the last two years. He's avoided taking a quarterback uh, at least within the first five rounds the last two years. Uh, really just I think the next best player is going to be David Johnson. Uh, I think his role is still going to be the same as it was two years ago, and he's the next best player. At number eight, the Almond brothers, James Lane and Blake Keelan, there's a small chance that they take Kevin Boss. So who do you think they take there at eight? Uh, it won't be Kevin Boss of the Giants, but it will be Odell Beckham of the Giants. I like it. Any, any rhyme or reason there, or do you think that's just best player available? So if you look at the last three years, they've taken a wide receiver. Uh, first, I think they, for whatever reason, they, they do value the wide receiver. So Odell Beckham just signed that massive contract uh, today or yesterday, I believe. And uh, he's going to be looking to make a huge splash and get up there with Antonio. So I think Odell Beckham. Number nine here, Zach and Brian of HNF. They're both on this podcast right now. Haven't chimed in just yet, but Jake, where oh, does HNF go? Hold on, hold on. Hey, Jake, you there? Yeah, I'm there. Like Mike. If I, could be like Mike. I just wanted to say hey. Oh, hey. Hey, that's excellent. Uh, good stuff right there. What's the strategy, Jake, with HNF at number nine? If you look at their history, they overwhelmingly choose running backs in the first round. They only took wide receiver first round past six years. Uh, I think they're going to look to stock up at running back. Uh, I think Saquon Barkley 
is going to be their pick. He's the clearly he's got a clear role. There's nobody behind him looking for touches. Uh, this year, I think the Giants are looking to make a splash. This is going to be Eli's last hurrah. Odell Beckham, Saquon Barkley, he's going to be a stud. You may be honest something there because, I mean, I've been doing this podcast throughout the offseason, obviously with Zach a lot, and Zach does comment a lot about players he doesn't like, whether you know he's trying to hide or show his cards and kind of deceive people. But I haven't heard him say anything positive or negative about Saquon Barkley. Brian, can you confirm or deny you guys' interest in, in Barkley? I really like his opportunity, like Jake was talking about. But I don't know. I'm, I may be in the minority here, but I'm not a huge fan of the talent. Uh, maybe I'm thinking more in terms of number two overall in the NFL draft. And he's a guy that just – I don't think his vision is elite. But Jake's right. He does have a clear opportunity. I'd, I'd be okay with him. I've got, a, I've got a question real quick about Saquon that I wanted to bring up later. But not to hijack this, but they released the top 100 players in the NFL on ESPN or something. And how in the world is Saquon Barkley on it? And he hasn't even played a snap. Dude, how, he's this year. Did you he watch him play at Penn State? Yeah, but I mean, he hasn't played a snap in the NFL, and he's already a top 100 player. I can answer that question for you. He plays in New York, and that's the biggest market, and that's all he's been really cares about. That's true. Okay, all right. Jake, what were you going to say about Barkley? Well, yeah. I feel like you have some expert analysis well, he, here. Yeah, like. yeah he, he also set the combine on fire. The guy, from a metric standpoint, is up there with some of the most elite running backs uh, that have ever come out of the draft. Uh, he's got he's got special talent. They're going to feed him the ball. They're going to run him into the ground. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with Brian. Opportunities there. Saquon all day. Ross and Reed Garrison. Who knows if Reed will show up? In fact, who knows if Ross will show up at the draft? I'm expecting one of them to be there. So if one of them is there on draft night, who do they take at number 10? Yeah, he really cares about them. But, uh, yeah, Fournette, that's about it. All right, no questions there. All right, which, uh, which offensive tackle – Goes there at number 11 to Jordan Michael Iwanison. So I think Jordan uh, is going to take DeAndre Hopkins here. Uh, there was really no rhyme or reason to it. He typically chooses running back. He's never really chosen a wide receiver, but I think by his pick, uh, all the good running backs are going to be gone, and he's going to want to choose DeAndre Hopkins. All right, we all kind of knew this was coming, Jake. At number 12, Kemp's crew picking there. I think you've been – kind of looking at this whole thing through some black and gold sunglasses, but who are you taking there at 12 if he's available? Uh, I overwhelmingly choose wide receiver first round. Uh, I've done that every year other than one. I I value wide receivers in our league more uh, than running backs, especially at the back end of the first round. Uh, I'm probably going to take Julio Jones. If you look at his stats from last year, uh, he still put up the yardage. Uh, obviously, the touchdowns weren't there. He only had three. That is a statistical anomaly right there. So I think if you look this year, those touchdowns are going to get back to the average. I think he's going to be flirting with double-digit touchdowns. Uh, nothing's really changing in Atlanta. Julio Jones is going to be a slam dunk first-round pick. So do you think adding Calvin Ridley in the first round, does that increase maybe Julio's red zone targets, or does that take away from him at all? I don't think it really affects it that much. I actually don't really expect much from Calvert Ridley this year other than to maybe draw some attention. Uh, you know, they still got some new Austin Hooper's okay, but you know, their offense is pretty much the same as it was last year. 
what bottom of the barrel first round pick is left for me at 13? I think I'm going to go with the next best player here, and that's Kareem Hunt. All right, I'll take it. And 14, Chase Gaw, last pick, gets that snake at the following pick. So maybe you can even give us like a back-to-back option, but who does Chase take there at 14? I think he goes with Melvin Gordon. I think Melvin Gordon is clearly a first-round pick. In our league, 14 teams for Melvin Gordon to fall to 14, I think is – um, I think he should be up there maybe eight or nine, but he's the next available player. Uh, Melvin Gordon. I don't think that Michael Thomas or uh, Keenan Allen or any one of those guys is going to make it in the first round. So Melvin Gordon is going to wrap up the first round. I like it, Jake. How much, uh, how much time would yeah. you say you spent, you spent putting this together? Uh, as far as the prep of the actual picking, not too much, but, the actual stats that I keep of our league and the trends from the points and the performances, I'll probably spend maybe 20 hours uh, every season uh, putting all that stuff together. And I've got some kind of special curated stats that I'm basically only I have access to. And uh, I think it kind of helps me during the draft. What are the chances that we see Kemp's crew somehow weasel in a trade up into the top, like seven, to try and get AB? Is there any chance that that happens at all, or is that kind of dead? Well, I think on the last podcast you were talking about it. Um, you can't really trade the picks unless it's just a straight up swap. You know, I, I put it out there. Twelve isn't really a desirable position, so I just at least put it out there. Nobody's bit, so I'm fully committed to the twelve pick. All right, hey, before we let you go. I don't think we got to air this last week on the podcast. Zach, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Jake, I want to offer you the opportunity to mention a no thanks player as we head into Friday night's draft. Who are you saying no thanks to in 2018? Actually, this actually comes uh, from the news today. I'm going to no thanks Alshon Jeffrey. The guy has missed almost the entire preseason and hasn't done anything and now is going to miss the first two games. And you know that's going to linger on. So, Alshon Jeffrey, no thanks. All right, Zach, Brian, anything for Jake, for uh, Kemp's crew, Sean Kemp fan, AB fan. Zach, I know you think AB's cursed this year with the Madden curse. Do you have anything for Jake before he parts ways with us? Like Mike, if I could be like Mike. Mm. Hey, Rain, Rain Man is going to be showing up uh, pretty strong. Uh, there will be a heavy dose of Sean Kemp mm. on Friday, so just wow. be ready. Oh gosh! All right, Jake. Looking, looking forward to it, Jake. Thanks again for the uh, the annual mock draft. We will post that in the Facebook group. All right, appreciate it. Thanks, Zach. I got to ask, what were your thoughts on Jake's annual mock draft and just our overall conversation with him? Really, I kind of started researching, and, and I knew I was right about this, but I should I should have spoken up and I should have said something. But I think it's really nice that Jake has basically. Uh, decided to pay tribute to Michael Jordan wearing the number 12 jersey. And um, there was – I forgot what year it was, but somebody stole his jersey, and he had to to wear the number 12 jersey. Um, So this is is nothing more than a nod to Michael Jordan and his greatness by Jake Standifer. And I applaud him for this. I, I Honestly, I didn't think of it. I should have thought of this a long time ago, and we should have been taking the number 12 pick. 
but Jake has uh, he he's done well. So good job, Jake. Brian, I'll let you play. Uh, you know, there's always like a draft results or a grade in Yahoo after we make our draft. How would you grade Jake's mock? I really, really hate to say this, but it was an A plus. Wow, that's pretty much. Especially the one because the most shocking pick in terms of uh, average draft position based off of you know what's out there right now was McCaffrey going to uh, Jeff, Jeff, and Jeff and uh, Rob. And honestly, it doesn't surprise me. It wouldn't it's, surprise me. It's going to happen. Not a bit. Uh, I think he was hunting. I think he was really lock of the on. lock it up. Lock of the week. Lock of the week. Is that what we called it lock of the week. I don't know. All right, let's move on from the lock of the week and let's let's move on to the tweet of the week here. Tweet of the week. Brian, I don't believe you're on Twitter, and if you are, you need to follow our new CMB FF podcast page. But do you have a tweet of the week by chance? No, I have no tweet of the week. You have, I, don't, do you have a, I don't either. But okay, sorry. All right, that's that's fine. H and F, you guys need like a combined Twitter account. <laughs> I have one, and I think this Tweet of the Week can just be the episode's Tweet of the Week. This was from the official Buffalo Bills Twitter account. This was on August 26th. So the Bills and the Bengals played each other in the preseason week three here. This is in Buffalo at New Era Field. And did you guys see this? Buffalo, the fans there, gave Andy Dalton a standing ovation. Do you know why? Because of McCarron? No. So – this is a standing ovation they've been waiting eight months to give. Buffalo loves you, Andy Dalton, is the tweet. And what happened was is Buffalo hadn't made the playoffs since the Music City Miracle, 2000. And the reason they got in this year as a wildcard team was because Andy Dalton let a comeback win over the Baltimore Ravens. Do you guys remember in Week 17? Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. I try Buff- to forget every Ra- uh, Ravens-Bengals game. They're usually <laughs> terrible. Right. Well, I'm telling you, so Andy Dalton is the reason the the Bills were the wild card team. And since that day, I, I think they are bigger fans of Andy Dalton than whoever is under center in Buffalo. They have donated $1 million to Andy Dalton's charity. I mean, he has a standing ovation at M&T Bank uh, Field where the, the Bills play That's in, awesome. uh, in Buffalo. So really cool moment to see that. Andy Dalton, it's so like, strange watching him. He's got this like flowing red hair. Um, but yeah, kind of a cool moment. Yeah, that's great. All right. Special thanks to Jake Stanford for coming on for his annual mock. Matt sucks for coming on and talking about his new co-manager who we all know really could not care less to be in this league. And again, for Brian, for, for coming back on and joining us, best of luck to you guys this year. We'll see you guys Friday at the draft. That's a W. Let's eat one.